This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to episode 166 of the multi-award winning Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you are well. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is the first time you've joined us, you can subscribe to this nonsense. Uh, it's available on iTunes, which I'm sure you're fully aware because you're probably listening to us through iTunes. Or you can go to our website to hit the subscribe button, fightdisciples.com. There's loads of content on there as well, including videos with fighters and various things like that. And we're all over social media too, at Fight Disciples, uh, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, lots to talk about this week because we had some fighting at the weekend in St. Louis and we have uh, some phenomenal fighting to get excited about with the first pay-per-view card of uh, the brand spanking new year happening this weekend, UFC 220. Yep. Everybody's dead excited about it. But before we start the show... Yeah, I've got an announcement. I've just got a got a sponsor this week. Eh? Got a sponsor. I just want to say... Are we getting uh, weighed in? Just want to just, just say this week's, this episode of the Fight Disciples podcast... Is brought to you in association with Metro Developments of Prescott, a fantastic family-run business, <clears throat> full-time staff, brilliant customer care. If you're looking for an extension, if you're looking for a boiler refit, if you're looking for any decorating, internal, external, no job is too big, no tender is too small. Give them a shout. Ask for JP, JP Dumbbell. He is the man over at Metro Developments. He's your mate, JP Dumbbell. He's your mate. Yeah. Are you plugging your mate's business yeah. on the multi-award winning Fight Disciples podcast? Let me tell you why. Over Christmas and New Year, the boiler went. I was snookered. Couldn't get anyone out. Wrong me mate, JP. Like fucking Clark Kent, Superman, to the rescue. Sorted out for me. I said, JP, what can I do, mate, to thank you? And he said, give us a shout-out. Pay him. Give us a shout-out. is what you give can do. You can weigh him in. You can pay for the service is what you can do and say no more about it rather than use your uh, prestige as a media professional and obviously this uh, this vast audience that we have now this created. Platform. Yeah, exactly. You're basically just plugging your mate's business on the show. I'm, I'm, do, I'm offering You're trying the, to get more a, free a shit. favour to the Fight Disciples and saying, listen, if you're looking to get an extension... That's bullshit. Ring Metro Nick, Developments. Nick, I've known you for some time now, my friend. You don't do nothing for fuck all, right? Basically, you're after an extension. The wife said, listen, we could do a little bit of an extension in the back garden or something like that, and this is what you're doing now. You're trying to blag yourself some free shit. Wildly accurate. Disgusting. Who is it? Brought to you by Metro Developments. This episode of Fight Disciples. Oh. Uh, I'd also like to say that the show is in uh, in cahoots with uh, Mark Williams, plumber <laughs> of, uh, of Stockport who uh, we had a, a broken gas valve over the Christmas period, and he came out and he sorted it out. I did have to pay him, but I'm going to plug him anyway, yeah, all right? Good stuff. Because he gave me mates rates. So there you go, Mark. Uh, if anybody needs a plumber in the Manchester to Stockport area, <laughs> he's the man. Look him up. He's the boy. No messing. <laughs> no job is too big, literally. No job is too small. Rob, whilst we're doing this, because it kind of reminded me of something that happened at the weekend, thank you so much uh, for, the, for the Fight Disciple crew, the audience that listens to us on a week-by-week basis. Uh, that have spotted my voice on a television advert and have decided to uh, bombard me with abuse over the weekend. This isn't Foxy Bingo, is this something else? You've just outed the cat there, haven't you? Just outed it. Yes. Oh, sorry, I thought this was the TV show. No, I do, I do that one, just in case people didn't know that I did that one. Yeah. So, yeah, I do do the voice of the fox in the Foxy Bingo adverts. <laughs> That's one of the things that I do. Yeah. Um, but I've also uh, gone Saturday Night Primetime, is what I've done, Sunshine. Absolutely. Um, Paddy McGuinness has taken me out. If you listen to that show, if you listen to the uh, the voiceover in between the shows, where so you I'm... like you like R. Graham? No, no, no. 
So the 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 advertisement which sponsors the show, which is Match.com. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So if you're a single lad, have a little bit of a nosy on there because yeah, I get yeah. ten pound for everybody that hooks up. Do you get the... mates rates on Match.com, do you? I don't need it anymore, mate. I know that, but I mean, do you get mates rates? Well, let's put it this way: if people want to sign up using the code CAT ten. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to sign up using that code, I get, our platform I get now, a little ten percent, a uh, little ten pound kickback for everybody that signs up. And if you get led, you know what I mean. Happy days, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing the voiceover for that. Lads got to eat, aren't they? That's you know what it. I mean. Absolutely. Talking about extensions, Mrs C wants a new kitchen, so that's why I'm all over it, mate. There you go. I'll hold my JP voice out to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> JP, if you need a, if you need an advert for telly, give us a shout, some. We'll get that sorted for you. Uh, we digress because this might be the first time that you've ever tuned into the Fight Disciples podcast wanting some uh, highbrow chat about uh, the world of mixed martial arts and UFC. And there's two geezers here whoring their services out for uh, construction and uh, dating websites. This is how we roll. <laughs> We've got is. This is award winning. That's it. We've got ourselves the audience and the platform now. And now we're just basically trying to sell anything to you. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. We've got extensions to buy. <laughs> anyway, let's get stuck into it because uh, weird one this weekend because it happened Sunday night into Monday morning. Uh, so we've come into work today a little bit bleary-eyed, thinking to ourselves, shit, we better watch a lot of fights if uh, we're going to talk about it on our show. UFC St. Louis. I suppose we can actually talk about the stuff that happened before the fights. Mm. Wake up, mate. Oh. See what I mean? As soon as I mention that, I just kick back now, put my feet up, and let Nick rant about the regulations and reform that is needed when the when it comes to UFC Wake Up because so many fights are dropping off for fun since this new... 24-hour thing has come in. Yeah. Well, I, I went on another rant again this morning uh, before I even came into the studio. And uh, Mike Bonn, who's a very well-respected uh, MMA uh, journalist from over in the US, he's a bit of a stats stats nerd, he tweeted uh, during the live event last night saying that uh, in 18 months leading up to the implementation of the new early weigh-ins of MMA... A total of 17 fighters missed weight for UFC events. So in 18 months, 17 in fighters missed. In the lead missed. up to. So uh, 18 months yeah. ago, so they changed two. the law, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. said, okay, we're going to do the weigh-ins at 9 o'clock in the morning at the fighter hotel, and the weigh-in in the afternoon is just going to be for the fans. But we're going to weigh you in at 9 a.m. because it's going to help everybody. And in the run-up, the 18 months in the run-up to that coming in... So just talk about what that, what the previous rule was. The previous rule previous was... previous rule was you weigh in at the actual weigh-in. Yeah, so yeah. you weigh in at 3 o'clock on a, or 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. If the event's on a Saturday, yeah. you get you know 36 hours to rehydrate or whatever. They said, oh, shit, okay. What we'll do is we move it forward to 9 a.m. in the morning. So like boxing. So it, what, it used to be like boxing. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. So it used to be like, yeah. Well, but they moved it forward thinking this will help the fighters. Yeah. So, so the, only 17 in the 18 months. In the 18 months, in the run-up right. to that, impli- that change, 17 people missed weight. Right, cool. Okay. In the 18 months since that new rule has come in, yep. so the last 18 months, 51 fighters Fuck. have missed weight or failed to even get to the scales wow. for the UFC event. Wow. What the fuck is going on in mixed martial arts? As soon as they made that change, I was like, what the fuck is that going to do? Because they, their philosophy was... Let's make it earlier, and then the fighters have more time to rehydrate before the actual fight, yeah. and therefore it'll be better for them. Yeah. But all it done, all that to me, if I'm a fighter, I go, I'll cut more. Then. Yeah. If you're giving me more time to rehydrate, well, I'm gonna cu- I'm gonna cut even more weight. Then I'm gonna try even more. Plus, if when it's on a Friday afternoon. A lot of these fighters have to stay up all night, or they'll you know stay up till three a.m. trying to cut weight. They'll go bed, go to bed, have a couple of hours sleep. They'll wake up and go, "Oh shit, okay, I've still got six pounds to lose, but I've got to lose it by three o'clock this afternoon, mm. so I can do X, Y, Z." 
when you wake up and you go, you've got three pounds to lose and the weigh-in's in like 45 minutes, they're fucked. Like, at least you had that day. Do you know what I mean? You wake up a lot drier, but then you'd have a couple more hours where you could go, okay, let's get this last little bit off. By moving it forward, I don't think you've done anyone any favours and the um, statistics there are clear. 51 people in the last 18 months have either failed to make weight or failed to even get on the scale. And, and the stories around Uriah Hall at the weekend when he... Apparently collapsed and had a seizure. Seizure, yeah. Unbelievable. Because Paige Van Zandt tweeting saying that was actually quite terrifying what I've just seen there. I'm, I'm guessing he was on the bus or at, at the hotel or whatever it was. He was on his way to the weigh-in. So he, so sorry, the, the weigh-in was in the morning at the hotel. So yeah, he's yeah. obviously travelling from his room yeah. to the weigh-in, yeah, yeah. and somewhere along the, and during he's that collapsed. short journey, he's collapsed and had a you know, had a seizure. Which, when you're talking about a guy who's six four and you know, hundred eighty five pound, that's quite scary. Who in twenty four hours time's about to go and fight. supposed to be fighting, yeah, and now he's having a fit in the middle of the fucking hotel reception. That that must be quite terrifying. So, what what's the protocol with check weighs throughout the course of a camp? Is there anything in that? Because I, I I'm up on it in the world of boxing. Yeah but I'm not up on it in the world of UFC. Is no, they, can, can they implement that? Can they bring something in? You've got to be absolutely. here, you've got to be that, you've got to be here. Absolutely. If you're not here, then the fight's off. It's a piece of piss to do as well because they drug test them regularly. So when they drug test them... Weigh him. Weigh him. Just weigh him on that day and, and formally record it and, and let the promoter know. Been to drug test them today. You'll know about the results in a couple of weeks, but just to let you know... He's at 140 pounds. He's weighing 175 pounds okay. today, and you know he's supposed to be fighting 140 in two weeks, just to let you know, flag that up. Um, the other way to do it, which is something that I'd be supporting of and I've been championing for a long time, is in college wrestling in America, they have an, like the start of the season, they give them an annual um, full medical and they check everything. They use all biomechanical science, the lot, and they will weigh someone, and it doesn't matter what you weigh on that day, they will give you a, a test, they'll run, they'll check your uh, respiratory levels, they'll check your fat levels, you'll mm. check your blood, everything. Use all the sports science in the world, and they will go, okay, Adam, you cannot weigh any less than 170 pounds this season. That's it. We've checked everything. You cannot weigh less than 170 pounds. Now, you can compete at 205 if you like, but the lowest you can weigh in that entire season is 170. Okay. And they should do that with... with Because like boxing, MMA needs an annual medical, mm-hmm. certainly for the UFC at least. You need that annual medical, yeah. you know, something I know a lot about where you have your brain scan, your urine scan, everything else, your, uh, your urine test, brain, full medical, uh, MRI, MRA, all, all that kind of business that gets done annually. On that day, they could do that test and go, by the way, next week we'll send you a letter and let you know what you can weigh this season. I had a conversation with Paige Van Zant last week for a radio show that I was doing. And obviously she's now fighting, as we saw yesterday now, yep. uh, at £125. But she was fighting at £115. And obviously, you have a conversation with a woman about weight, it's a little bit weird. But I was having a conversation with her about it as a fighter, as an athlete. And she was cutting from 137 down to 115 She's now obviously cutting from 137. That's what she said that she averagely walks around at. Yeah, walk around ways. So she's now cutting down to 125 yeah. from 137. But imagine getting another £10 off her. There's nothing on her. It's frightening, isn't it? Absolutely frightening. Let me just try and work that out, actually, what, what, what that would be uh, in, in terms of a, a percentage. Because, you know, it's easy to say. So she was 137. Yeah, her average weight when she's walking around out of camp is £137. And they were asking her to fight at £115. So you're talking the best part of about 15% of her body weight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God, that's absolutely terrifying. To shift that for fight night. 
Yeah. So 50, now fifteen point seven five percent of a body fat. Hey, yeah. Get me on fucking countdown, son. Did you see that? You've done it with your calculator. Did that in my head. So, so you're probably looking at <clears throat> in terms of that would be kind of like uh, hundred eighty five pounds. Let's say you know Michael Bispin is walk around weight. Then would be like two hundred and forty odd. Do you know yeah. that's like kind of the equivalent? It's, it's not. But no, that, no. But that would be the equivalent yeah, of him yeah. chopping that much weight. Um, it's dangerous, man. It, 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 this is something that really is hanging over MMA quite, quite in a quite a scary manner, and uh, this is why it keeps getting flagged up. Now, it was the decision of the California State Athletic Commission. They did a big thing and went right. Okay, one of the things we're going to implement is, as well as new weight divisions, which they've brought in, but the UFC haven't implemented. Um, but one of their things that has been brought in was this early morning weigh-in on a Friday, which the UFC did take up on. As we've just heard then, the stats prove that it doesn't work. They need to do something else. Something, something needs to be done about this weight-cutting issue that is hanging over mixed martial arts. And, you know, the, we do have Czech weigh-ins in boxing. We don't have it in mixed martial arts. Why don't we have it? It wouldn't be tough to implement. It can be done. Uh, and I think it de- definitely, drastically needs to be done. If a guy's mm. having a fucking seizure hours before he's supposed to be fighting inside the octagon, that's got to raise some serious alarm bells. And it'd be, you know, if this was a one off, it'd be worrying. But this is not a one off. It's fucking every other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the back of that, then there's financial implications, not only for the fighter that is not fighting, obviously, because they've missed weight, but their opponent. Their opponent has hit weight, but isn't going to be getting any um, uh, wages for, a, for fight night. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen people have their uh, wages not given to them. because they, the other week. Yeah, obviously at the weekend you've got Vitor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that whole situation, Vitor Belfort is fighting um, Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall obviously doesn't, he can't weigh in because of this seizure. Vitor Belfort, that's his retirement fight. Yeah. He's calling it a day. Psychologically now, he's got to go through it all again because he's still got one fight left on his UFC contract. He's got to go and yeah. do it all again. And now they're talking about, oh, shall we do Michael Bispin in London? No, I don't want to see Michael Bispin and Vitor Belfort fight in London. I don't want to no. see that. No, it's a it's a scary situation that we're in right now, and uh, again, something needs to be sorted. There was another fight that did take place on this card where where the guy weighed in four pounds over, Mads Bernal weighed in five four or five pounds over this featherweight title fight. That was the opener on the card, and what usually happens is, and it happened again in this case, the guy who missed weight won the fight. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it, it's a common occurrence as well. You're missing weight and you're winning the fight. Okay, mm. he lost twenty percent of his pace to Mike Santiago. If you're missing weight, I, I just don't know. I, it, the whole thing needs sorting, and it needs sorting fast. And I think 2018 could well be the year that clearly the early weighing isn't working, so that needs scrapping. I think this could be the year of new weight divisions in the UFC. I think we should bring in. They've just brought in women's flyweight. You're talking then about Paige Van Zandt moving up to flyweight. I would like to see the women, the men's weight classes, get added weight divisions in there as well. Mm. No, absolutely. absolutely. Mm. Uh, regarding the fighting at Saint Louis. Um, we've learned retrospectively that Paige Van Zandt actually broke her arm in the first round uh, of her fight and uh, cracked on uh, for another three against uh, Jessica Rose Clark. Um, coming, a, coming a cropper, though. We said last week this was a must-win for Paige. Yeah. She's the poster girl of the UFC. They've invested heavily in her. She's a fantastic kid. She's still young, but there's there's got to be a moment where all that brilliant stuff that she's doing outside the octagon goes inside the octagon because... I've spoke about this in the world of boxing. 
people are obviously following Anthony Joshua because he's knocking kids out in the ring. But then he's transcending outside the octagon and we're seeing his personality and we're thinking, God, this guy's amazing. And then yeah. it works full circle where you go, he's a brilliant personality. Let's go back and watch him do his thing. You go and watch him do his thing. He's absolutely amazing. You keep buying tickets, go and watch him. Paige Van Zandt, she's an amazing person. She's fantastic. Love what she's doing. Let's go and watch her fight. Go and watch her fight. She gets beat. Mm-hmm. And then it stops. Yep. People go, oh, well, she, well, maybe she just should be doing Dancing on Ice or whatever, uh, Dancing with the Stars or whatever it were. Yeah. were. It was a must-win fight and she didn't win it. No, she didn't. She didn't. And you know what? It was always going to be a tough fight going in as well because Jessica Rose Clark is no mug, uh, mm. as she proved in Australia last time out. The weird thing, and Dan, Dan Hardy had mentioned me during the chat last week, but originally Paige Van Zandt was supposed to be fighting Jessica I a couple of months ago. Yeah. And that fight got cancelled. So then this weekend, gone, she's just for Jessica Rose Clark, who on paper is probably a slightly easier fight than Jessica I. But who was on the undercard at the weekend? Jessica I. Mm. So that that's kind of weird. You make a fight, it doesn't happen. Then you put the two same girls on the same card, but you you put then, them in different yeah. fights. Very strange. I think they tried to hedge their bets with Jessica Rose Clark. I think they tried to give uh, Paige Van Sant an easier fight than Jessica I because they want uh, Paige Van Sant to fight for the flyweight title, uh, which is you of know, course they do. Brand if new. she wins they, at the they weekend, they want her as a poster girl for the UFC. For those that don't know, the flyweight uh, division is absolutely brand spanking new. It's only the, the champion has come off the back of tough. tough. So the tough winner is the champion at this moment in time. So they're looking for a big name to carry this division. The big name is Paige Van Zandt at this moment in time, that poster girl that they're trying to paint. Um, and I personally think that if she wins at the weekend, she's next in line. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. But she'd said as much. She said, I'm, I'm getting ready to fight for the flyweight title. Uh, but obviously Jessica Rose Clark has through a spanner in the works there. I think, you know, it, it's all good and well moulding Paige Van Zandt and wanting her to win it. But if she's not good enough, mm. then, you know, but I... I it's probably a good thing because I think if Paige Van Zandt gets into a flyweight title fight, potentially wins that flyweight title fight, we're going to be lucky to see a fight once a year because the UFC will throw everything behind her to do all the talk shows, to do all the t- reality TV. And it probably would have put this flyweight division on lockdown. So from a competitive standpoint, it's probably for the best that she hasn't won and she isn't going to get thrown forward into that spotlight. You know why? Because there's better girls in this weight division anyway. Yeah, there opinion. is. There is. Absolutely there is. Um, regarding... Um Kamaru Usman and Meek. Shall we talk about that fight? Yeah, please. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about the first fight on the main card first because Darren Elkins, the damage man. The damage. He's, this guy's rapidly becoming one of my favourite fighters in the UFC. Keeps getting the job done. Oh, my God. Last year against uh, Mesa Bektic, who, you know, I, I confess I was creaming all over Bektic. We'd met him in Manchester. And we were like, he's fucking, this guy's going to be a superstar. Loses his unbeaten record because he's taken uh, the damage for granted. Beats... Beats the living shit out of the damage. Two rounds, be smashes him to bits. Absolutely. And then Elkins comes from nowhere. <laughs> just head kicked him and finished him, didn't he? And then he got a great win over Dennis Bermudez. No one's seen that coming, a split decision win in the summer. And then he gets thrown in with Michael Johnson. Don't forget, Michael Johnson's you know top contender from the lightweight division. That's moving down to featherweight. I was like, oh, Elkins is going to get lit up again. And you know what? Once again, he weathers the storm, walks him down and sinks in a rear naked choke. Uh, for me, Elkins... Definitely one of my most entertaining guys in the UFC, which brings us nicely on to Kamaru Usman not being one of my favourite guys to watch in the UFC. Mate, regarding that fight, I mean, there's purists out there that will listen to this podcast, right, and they'll be screaming at us now. Because as a purist, you watch um, Usman's performance against Meek and you think, oh my days, dominant, so accomplished, closed the uh, distance, threw him on his back, and ragdolled him a little bit, right? 
I don't want to fucking see that as a fan. Mm. I ain't interested, man. It was the most boring performance I have seen for a long period of time. That's why the crowd would boom. About a kid that everybody's talking about in that little shark tank, the Darren Tills of this world, your Pons and Ibios of this world, Covington, your Mike, Mike Perry, uh, and your Kobe Covington, those type of characters. Yeah. Every single one of those guys that I've just mentioned, I'm paying money to go and watch them fight. Yeah. Kamaru Usman, now, you've just gone to the back of the queue, mate, because yeah. I'm like, everybody's telling me you're the best of the bunch. Let's have a look at it. Oh, my days, this is boring. Yeah. Can't be bothered with this. Absolutely. And you know what? It's all good and well saying he's he's on a, he's undefeated and he's on a tear. And I'm a big fan of Kamari Usman. You know, Danny Roberts, who we've had on the show many times, trains with him, can't say enough nice things about him. But for me, you know, yeah, he played for his, he played to his strengths against me. He did what he needed to do. He out wrestled me and he and he and he, you know, won the fight using his strengths. So in that regard, I can't hate on it from a technical standpoint. He's getting the job done. But this is entertainment, man. This is sports entertainment. And that was not an entertaining performance. It was fucking boring. And you're right, you know, I don't know if he goes to the back of the queue, but he's become like, you know, there used to be a guy in the welterweight division. He was ranked number two in the world. He was, you know, supposed to be fighting for the title. He was on this incredible tear. His name was John Fitch, and he bought the living shit out of everybody because he did exactly the same thing. Hold people down. You know, it might be a bit harsh on husband, but John Fitch was famous for his lay and pray. He'd grab all you, throw you on the ground, and keep you down there, basically, and, and do just enough to keep the fight on the ground. And he stunk the yard out. And you know what happened? As soon as he lost the fight, even though he was in the top five in the world, as soon as he lost one fight, Dana White volleyed him out the UFC because he was like, you're fucking boring. And the way Usman got on the mic last night and was saying, that was me at 30%, blah, blah, blah. And then Dana White, when asked about it afterwards, was like, well, fuck you. You know, how dare you like say, I'm fighting at 30%. And you're getting booed by the crowd. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're fumbling your way through. Uh, okay, a one-sided decision, but you're not entertaining anybody. Mm. And then you've got the audacity to say, that was me at 30%. Well, maybe you should fight at a fucking hundred percent and give us something, give us some actual entertainment. I think he's done many favors there with Usman, and I'll be surprised if Usman gets a fight with Cobbington or Perry or, or Till or anyone like that now because Dana's gone. Well, fuck you! Mm. How dare you have that kind of attitude? Uh, one thing that did get the uh, crowd off their off their feet, clapping, cheering, going crazy, was the return of Matt Hughes. Obviously, what happened to uh, Matt um, last year? To yeah. see him walk to the Octagon, supported, okay, supported by UFC staff and Dana and various things like that. But just to see him... I was in a wheelchair a few weeks ago. Mate, just to see him about, you just think to yourself, it, even the hardest of the hardest concrete guy can't look at that with a little bit of a tea in the eye and think, you know what I mean? You're a UFC legend. You've gone through some real shit over the last year. That's the warrior spirit. That's the thing that we buy into as fans, isn't it? That warrior spirit, that never say die attitude. Fair play, Mike Hughes. Great to see him on his feet. It, it was, it was, I don't know. You think it's convoluted? You think it's a little bit cheesy? No, 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 not at all. Not, not at all, to be honest. I, I watched it and was like, fucking great to see him back on his feet. Like, you know, he gave this sport so much. And, you know, you know, a lot of people argue the best welterweight the sport's seen. And, you know, he brought in a new dynamic to the sport in terms of being this natural athlete and also combining wrestling with, with you know, fucking heavy hands. But I'm watching it. Obviously, I watched it first thing this morning, and I'm watching it, and I'm kind of, are we ignoring why we're here? Are we ignoring the narrative that why Matthews was in hospital in the first place because he parked on a train line and was hit by a train? Mm. Like, are we are we just overlooking the fact that this guy tried to commit suicide? And yeah. that, that that for me was a bit weird because there's only one 
you know, one of this guy was employed by the UFC as a, as a, basically he was just on the staff. He was getting weighed in, and then when I, IMG bought it out, they basically fucked him off, and Chuck Liddell he got fucked off. You know, all these all these old boys that were just on a on a wage for free basically all got jibbed, and you've got to imagine that not having that connection and anymore played a role in his psychological state to. And then to bring them back into it and be like, well, yeah, 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 it's that fucking champ's back. Well, who's there to wanna? Who's there next week? Where's the fight? You know what I mean? Where is the support going to continue? I don't, I don't know. That's just the fucking cynic in me. I think I'm just kind of watching it, going, oh, watching it through gritted teeth a little bit. Because yeah. no, I agree with that. But what the way I looked at it was, he obviously was in a very dark place last year. Yeah, and I think someone like that needs to see that he is loved. Absolutely. And he, was and he de- got that. And, and he, he absolutely got that in St. Louis, did he? Big time, yeah. He 100% did get that. And I yeah. hope... I think you're right. I think maybe it is a lesson to be learned from the UFC and the new guys, and yeah. they need to be looking after the guys after they've finished in the it, octagon. It's, listen, this is sport. This is every sport, every professional sport, this is an issue. Depression and mental health is an issue in every sport because whenever a fighter hangs them up in boxing or an American footballer stops playing football, gets injured, or even a even a football player over here, you know, gets to the end of his career, there's got to be something else. There's got, and there's no support. In any sport, there's no support network. UFC, mixed martial arts is fucking brand new anyway. Only 25 years old. Mm. We're really only getting to the point now where the legends are, are we're really starting this whole collection of legends retiring 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 and that support network especially when the sport's doing better than ever before people people like conor mcgregor in a hundred million dollars if you're someone like matthews that's give blood sweat and tears to this sport and you see this young guy from ireland in, in three short years he's made more money than you could ever dream of that's got to play with you psychologically and for every matthews there's a thousand other guys that fought in the ufc that haven't got anywhere near the kind of adulation or support that he's had as well so where do those guys go? I think that that's just it's across all sports. Like you've got to look after your former athletes. There's got to be something there for them. And hopefully this and it may well be triggered by Matthews or somebody around Matthews to go, you know what, let's set something up for ex fighters where we they can support each other and rely on each other and lean on each other. And maybe the and you know what, that's the type of thing the UFC will go for. you know what, we're into that as well. We'll support that too. Hmm. Regarding the main event, yep. because Last year, last not last year, year before. God, it's, it's that lot long since Conor McGregor fought. I keep forgetting when he's done these press conferences. Uh, but two years ago, yep. Jeremy Stevens shot to fame in the majority of people's eyes because Conor McGregor shouted from the front row of a press conference, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Right, uh, and the little heathen was the was the man on the receiving end of that, and everybody used him as a meme. We used him as a meme. Everybody went crazy on him and absolutely ripped him to shreds. Yeah. Since that point, in the octagon, he has been. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and the fight against Duho Choi um, in St. Louis was billed as a potential fight of the year. Both men have got the nice little bonuses off the back of this fight, but I tell you something, he was writing what he said in that press conference a couple of years ago. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, he said, "When I hit guys, they go to sleep, man. They go down." He has got an absolutely gigantic right hand, hasn't he? Yeah, it when he's it, when he's in the shit. He has got the equaliser. Do what choice, no mug. He's putting it on him. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Thor, the big Thor hammer came out, didn't it? And it was like, fucking hell, he just folded him in half. I know. That was unbelievable. I don't know why Jeremy Stevens never changed his nickname to that guy. 
Because there's a guy. whole fucking thing yeah. he could have done there. That could be his nickname, couldn't it? Jeremy, that guy, Stevens. Like, he should have jumped on it straight away. But, yeah, uh, it was a fun fight. You know, I think uh, I think last week we were saying it was going to be a fun fight and it was going to be, you know, the, certainly a, a, a fight of the night contender. Uh, I wrongly said Usman versus Meek was going to be up there as well. I, I shoot myself for that. But we knew this was going to be a belt and it lived up to it too, I think. Uh, Duho Choi was looked great in the first round and was really unloading his arsenal. But throughout that time, you always thought Stevens knew pretty early on that he could take what Duho what Choi was, was, coming, was, yeah. was saving up and was like, you know what? I'm going to walk through you and I'm going to knock you out in a minute. And Duho Choi, after this absolutely incredible war with Cubby Swanson, I think he's realised now that there's levels of in, in certainly in terms of power. And uh, while he was able to go uh, the full distance with Swanson in a bit of a humdinger, I think he rapidly realised last night that, uh, that Stephen, Jeremy Stevens carries the type of power that you just can't fight like that. You can't fight Jeremy Stevens like that. You can't go toe to toe with someone like that because he just put you to sleep. And you know, as you say, that right hand, Jesus Christ, I was dancing all over me cornflakes this morning when that landed because I was just like, damn, son. Kamaru, if you're watching, that's, yeah, that's, that's how you entertain us, mate. That's how you entertain us, mate. Absolutely. If you want us to go crazy about you, do that. That's yeah. what you got to do, man. But he can't do that, you see, because his striking's not good enough. Yeah, I know. His striking's not good You know, Emil Meek in, in that fight, not to go back to it, but at times he was lighting up, uh, he was lighting up Usman. And that just made me think, mate, Mike Perry, that's a tough fight for Usman because Mike Perry's got decent wrestling, but also he's got very heavy hands, beats him in the stand-up probably. But don't even think about Ponzinibbio or Darren Till. Especially Darren Till, because they would absolutely fucking wipe the floor with Usman. He'd be absolutely terrified. You know, there's a couple of times he was shooting in that fight against Abel and Meek, and Meek was able to shrug him off. I was thinking, mate, you wouldn't last a round with Darren Till. Usman's gone, uh, you're right, he's gone way down in my estimation now. I thought he could have been the silent killer in there, but he ain't. He ain't. Look at you, eh? Whenever we talk Darren Till, you get a little tear in your eye, don't you? You think it's you still. Here we go. No matter tear, I get a little sparkle in my eye. Yeah, you do. Well, you start to gloss over, as does everybody that listens to this show, because this is where you heard him first. You heard Darren Till on here first. We've been supporting him for such a long, long period of time. We're so looking forward to this year, man. All we need is a fight announcement. Give it us, Dana. Where are you sending him, baby? What does, what's it? I've heard the rumours now of Gunny Nelson in London. I've heard Gunny in London. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I, no. I'm a massive Gunny Nelson fan. Yeah. I like Gunny. I think he's great. But I also think he's an absolute one-trick pony. Yeah. You know exactly what Gunny's going to do. He throws that left-right, he shoots for a single leg, he takes you down and then works for submission. He's so predictable on the feet that Darren Till would absolutely chop him up and make mince meat Mate, of him. Mate, Wonderboy. We, we just Wo- want Wonderboy. That's Wonder what we want. Bo- we've got him, but Wonderboy doesn't want him. Wonderboy doesn't want the fight. I, I, Chuck him out of the UFC then if he don't want it. Jog exactly. on, son. Get I, in here. I agree. I agree. The thing is about Till, right? He'll fight any fucker. He's not interested in belts or anything like this at this moment in time. Put him in front of me, I'll nail him out. I think his but, mentality is he knows he's inevitably going to get the belt. But he's at that stage now where it's just got to be managed right. Yeah. You've got to go... The Gunny right. Nelson fight would feel like a step backwards. It would yeah. feel like a gimme, a super gimme as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But nah, He's nailed that, Cowboy. Now it's got to be a killer. Yeah, now it's yeah. got to be... Oof, could he do Wonderboy? Exactly. Let's do Wonderboy. Because that, that sells the narrative towards a title fight then. Okay, RDA is going to get the next shot. Uh, when Tyron Woodley, you know, gets his, I think it's his shoulder, yeah, he's his shoulder gets himself sorted. Who, who, who's the number one contender after that? There's four or five names in the mix. Usman, Till, Ponzinibbio, Covington, all in the mix. Fuck it. Bang them in together. Let's let, let's get him. Wonderboy, of course, as well, because he, he holds the 
if them guys aren't going to fight each other, Wonderboy, Robbie Lawler, all those guys have got to come into the mix. Then Damian Meyer, they, they're all in the mix. Do young against you know young, youngster against oldster if you like you know former title challenger against these young upstarts. One each, and whoever puts in the biggest and best performance, that's the guy who gets the shot fuck after it RDA. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Anyway, look at us, right? He's not even fighting. He's, he's still bloody partying. He's the lad, right? And <laughs> I spoke to him last week actually, and he's uh, that's it now. No, he's back in the party gym, over. Yeah, party. The, the gym. party's so, over. I've seen that he's back in the gym. Yeah. Uh, just a quick one regarding uh, other news stories before we get stuck into uh, some stuff uh, that is going on this weekend. Francis Ngannou! Uh, shame to see Bobby Knuckles falling off the oh, uh, UFC 221 card. He's out of UFC Perth, ill. Nothing um, concrete on the actual illness and why and why he's off. Uh, but Yo Romero stepped into the breaches. Of course he has, the soldier of God, taking on uh, the model, Luke Rockhold for the interim belt. So obviously the yeah. winner of that will be taking on Bobby Knuckles at some point. It's just a shame. Belt. It's a shame for Bobby because little homecoming for him there. It, it, it was, yeah, and it, you know he'll have been gutted pulling out of the. It, it's funny though, isn't it? How readily guys are pulling out of fights. And unless I ain't saying he, he ain't sick, he ain't injured because undoubtedly he will be because he's a warrior. But it, it's funny how how easy it is to pull out of fights when you've got the belt wrapped around your waist. You know, we've seen it with TJ Dillashaw. We've seen it. We've seen it with pretty much fucking every champion in the UFC: Tyron Woodley, Dominic Cruz. You Amanda name it. Nunes. Amanda Nunes. <laughs> exactly. If they, if they're not one hundred percent, you know, we're still a few weeks out from that fight. Yeah, he's, oh, I'm ill. I'm out. There's no way that he'd pull out if, he if was it was the, the vacant belt. If it was the vacant belt, and it was bet- if they'd have gone, GSP's gone. You're not the interim champion in a different world. We're going to make this for the vacant belt. I sw- promise you, Bobby Knuckles fights. Luke Rockhold, because he'd have gone, right, fuck it, I've got the flu. This is my chance. A week or two off, sound, I'm back in. But because he's the champ now, well, you know what, I've got the flu, I'm out. I'm out. Not, and you know what? He's worked his entire life to become UFC yeah. middleweight champion, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, you can't really slice him. No, absolutely. Um, it's a good fight, though. No, it's a great fight, man. It's a great fight. Um, just a quick one, because a lot of people do tweet us, with us being uh, northern-based here in the UK, about Pietro Menga and what happened to him um, with his UFC chance. This is the brutality of the UFC, isn't it? Because he got an opportunity, he missed yep. weight when he was asked to cut from a ridiculous amount uh, of weight that he was working up to. So he gets his opportunity, he misses weight, so therefore he misses his opportunity to the UFC. UFC bin him, not got another opportunity. Uh, and I read the other day that he's going to be fighting again on a different promotion um, here in the UK. I think it's happening in Manchester somewhere. What uh, promotion is it? Uh, it's a Brazilian pr- uh, promotion. In the UK? Yeah, some weird promotion. You sure? You sure it's not a Russian promotion? I might be wrong. But he's fighting at £125 is what he's fighting at. Right. So I just wanted to give people a bit of an update. of A bit harsh at. to get in and get out before they have, even have enough fight. Not even had a fight. In, out, shake it all about. He's definitely good enough. Um, just hope he gets a, another opportunity, Pietro. So we wish him well. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on in his career. Uh, just crossing over to Bellator 192, which is happening uh, this weekend as well. Chael versus Rampage. What's that this weekend, is it? Are you gobsmacked that that is headlining over McDonnell against uh, Douglas Lima? No, uh, I've seen quite a lot of uproar about that, and uh, no, I'm not. Um, I think people who are saying that uh, Rory McDonnell against Douglas Lima is to find out who's the best welterweight on the planet are talking absolute shite. Uh, it's not. It's the who's the best welterweight in the in Bellator. Um, I think Chael Sonnen Rampage has got way more marketability. Uh, more neutral fans know who they are. Bellator is in the business. That's why Bellator signed up all these leg- legends to put them on the top of cards to attract eyeballs to get more people to watch who's on the undercard. Mm. So I'm not hating on that for a second, but you know what? I get it. 
which fight would I want to see more? <sighs> Depends if I was pissed. If I was sober, I want to see Rory MacDonald uh, fight, fight and win the, hopefully win the welterweight title. But you know what? If I've had a couple of jars the weekend, man, I want to see Chael and, and, and Chael Son and Rampage go into some crazy old man ding dong. <laughs> like a car pocket. That's good. Absolutely. Let's not fuck about. We know why you're here. UFC 220. If you look down the card, there ain't any fights oh, that you're asked about other than the even, top two. I can't even hold me smiling here. Right. I'm so excited. Don't even bother looking at the card. I'm not going to talk about it. And that's, that is disrespect to everybody else that's on the card. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care. There's two fights, the light heavyweight title and the heavyweight title. They're the only two fights that I'm bothered about. As I keep telling you, last year, it buffered massively. We didn't get going in the UFC. I'll tell you something, this weekend, baby, we are getting going. It is yeah. on like Donkey Kong. We're going to the light heavyweights first before you start spunking all over Francis Ngannou. Yeah. There's an image. Anyway, uh, DC, Volcan. You know what I think about DC. His fighting style doesn't get me going. It doesn't entertain me. I don't get an hard on about it. Volcan, I do. He goes in and he chucks bombs and he knocks kids out. If there's a wily enough character in this division to nullify Volcan's bombs, it is, of course, the one and only Daniel Cormier. I think he's a tremendous character, a brilliant commentator. I hope, I hope that he fights fire with fire this weekend. I don't think he's going to, because he's a clever cat. Mm. He's going to close that distance. He's going to try and get Vulcan on his back, mm. and he's going to try and ragdoll him. I hope that doesn't happen, but I think that it is what's going to happen. And my prediction, my friend, is that Daniel Cormier will still be the light heavyweight champion of the world. Um, are we going? What's, it, what's your result? Ragdolling him, it's not going the distance. He's getting him out of there in the fourth. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm so tempted to go for the double knockout. I'm so <sighs> tempted to go for the double first round knockout. Mm. It would just be mental to see a double first round knockout on this card. Uzumir and Naganu, two new champions. I'll be honest. I think fate itself and history weighs down so much on the heavyweight fight. Uh, oh God, God, I'm so excited to talk about that fight. Okay, Uzumia Cormier. Uzumia has basically spent his entire life being the other guy, being one uh, Alistair Overeem's sparring partner and training partner throughout his, his glory kickboxing days and his early pride days, and then later on in life uh, being the main sparring partner for Rumble Johnson in Florida. So this guy can take a shot. Rest assured, this guy can also throw a shot and he's got ridiculously heavy hands, as he's proven since he's come into the UFC. The difference now is, though, he's fighting a guy that with Cormier that is tough as anything. And also, Cormier's skills outmatch, um, outmatch him purely because of the fact that Uzadmir, his background is very much striking, um, whereas, obviously, Cormier is a two-time Olympic wrestler. Who can bang as well? I, I think this is exactly. I can't get away from the fact that this, for me, is a mirror image of Cormier versus Rumble Johnson. Yeah, um, and it's hard to see a different outcome. The fight, the, the the game plan for Cormier. Not only does he know what it is, but he's absolutely played it out perfectly on two different occasions in the past. Anyway, uh, he the submit late submission against Rumble uh, in 2015, third round submission defending the belt. And then in uh, April last year, of course, he did the same thing. Same submission, rear naked choke in the second round. You know what? I'm going to go for 
DC to continue that. And I'm going to go with DC submission rear naked choke in the third round. You're going third. I'm going fourth, you're going third. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Third round. Um, but it would be fucking amazing, mental wouldn't it? to see Uzad Mia land on DC's chin. First round, bang, gone. Oh, my goodness. And that's the only way it'll happen. If 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 Uzad Mia, if, if Cormier gets out the first round, Uzad Mia's done. That's my prediction. And you know what? It's exactly the same prediction for the main events. Okay. I think if Naganu is going to get Majocic, he's going to get him early and he's going to catch him and he's going to hurt him. I think if Majocic probably can get out of round two, I'll probably say two rounds. If he can get out of round two, the fight flips on its head. Come on, you're being harsh on the on the firefighter, mate. That's what, this is where you're at, right? Let's get into it because this is yeah. the one that everybody's talking about. This is Fucking the problem. super exciting. Steven Miocic. Let's talk about him first. Yeah. Talk about the history of the heavyweight division. Nobody's defended the belt Three times. consecutive times. Yep. Nobody's done that in history. 25 years of the UFC. Here we go, Almost baby. It. It's a history-making fight if he pulls it off. Yep. Uh, obviously, knocked out Vadum to win the belt in Brazil. Then he knocked out Alistair Overeem in a round to defend the belt in September last year. Then he had that great fight with Junior de Santos. Well, it was built up to be a great fight. Knocks him out in the first round as well. That was in uh, that was May last year as well. Christ, why are we only getting the heavyweight champion fighting once a year? The form would suggest there four consecutive first round knockouts for Stipe Miocic. Yeah. No mugs. It, There's no mugs there, mate. If you basically said, if you basically sat down, let's let's pretend Francis in our minds does not exist, and we went right, Miocic defending his belt again. You know, uh, top content, uh, leading contender, but a guy. You know, he's not had a ton of fights. He's only had you know uh, tw- eleven, prof- twelve professional fights. This guy lost one of them as well. He's fighting Majocic. Majocic is on a steam train. He's won four, the last four fights consecutive by yeah. knockout. He's gone for history. He's going to become the th- first three. You know, make three defenses. Well, you wouldn't for a second bet against them. No, but Francis Ngannou is a monster, a machine. And the bookies in Vegas have got Nagano as favourites. So the champ is the underdog. A, the champ on a four-fight first-round knockout run is the underdog against a 12-fight novice that's only been in the UFC for, what, two years, 18 months? That's how frightening Francis Ngannou is. Now, obviously, anyone that knows the business also knows that Francis Ngannou is also on a run of four consecutive first-round finishes, albeit one of those was a, a submission against Anthony Hamilton. The rest have been knockouts. Listen, Stipe's resume obviously matches up better than Ganu's because he's been a champion. He's beaten former champions. He's beaten the better guys. However, Big Francis, sometimes it's like it's like motion, isn't it? It's like, this is the guy fucking charging up the mountain with real momentum behind him. That knockout of the year that he dropped against Alistair Overeem in December, you know, the best punch we've seen in the UFC in 2017, took Overeem off his feet, that uppercut. That kind of pressure, that kind of big power has got to concern Majocic. His game plan has got to be absolutely bob on. I think if he stands in front of Naganu, he's going to get knocked out. As we've seen previously with Majocic, though, you know, his knockouts generally come from him kind of going backwards. Think about the Vadum knockouts. Vadum fucking runs towards him in Brazil, throwing stupid punches, and Majocic just steps to the side, bingo, and, and punches him straight into the fence. I don't think Ngannou's going to be quite as reckless as Vadum, but he is going to go looking for this knockout. 13-second knockout, Stephen Majocic is doing him. That's what you reckon? No. <laughs> I thought you were serious, man. I thought you were serious, I'm going to say. Jesus. Listen. 
if that happens, I'm using that as a sound clip and yeah. basically saying, yeah, that's exactly what I said. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, so what, what's your prediction? What are you saying? Don't sit on the fence. You say no, no. if he gets out of this round, if he gets okay. out of that round. My prediction is that the MMA gods will once again play their part. We will not see history made in that the first consecutive third title defence for the heavyweight champion. The belt will change hands. Francis Ngannou will land and Majocic will be seeing stars in the first round and we've got a new UFC heavyweight champion. I, con- I concur. Yeah. I concur. I reckon it within the first two minutes. It's going to be that fast. It's going... Listen, it's man. fucking mental. Listen, man. These dudes are big-ass dudes, right? Don't get me wrong. Stipe can whack. If We don't know. Absolutely. We haven't seen anybody smash uh, Francis Ngannou in the face yet. No. Nope. Let's have a go. That's... For me, if I was this, I'd be thinking to myself, right. They're both 6'4". They're both this like 18 guy, stone. The guy I'm facing, right, could take me out at any point. And he could do it with a lucky punch. I could beat him up for four rounds here. Yeah. And he could take me with just a little sniff in the fifth. Yeah. I'm going to have to go shit or bust. I'm going to... Let's just have it. Let's stand in there and pray that I land first. If I land first, I'm confident enough in my own power. These are heavyweights on yeah. four rounds gloves. If he taps him, he could he could knock out Francis Ngannou. Yeah. That's... I believe, I believe he's got to have too. a go. He's got to have a go. I think Maiochic, though, will be a lot more patient. I expect Maiochic to be the one moving backwards. Yeah, I he agree will give, He will give up ground. He will let Ngannou push forward. And he'll be looking for Ngannou to make a mistake, to make a rookie mistake, overcommitting to an uppercut or overcommitting to a big right hand where he can counter it. That's why it makes it so fascinating. We ain't going to see them both just collide in the middle of the octagon and just go at it like bears. Why? That way ain't going to Why? Happen. I think we'll see that with Boo! Uzumir. I think we'll see that That's with Uzumir and like. Cormier. I think Cormier and Uzumir will just collide in the middle and because Cormier will want to close the distance to yeah. take him down. I don't think Stipe Mojic necessarily will want to take Ngannou down. The opportunity's there. I think he's got that in his locker. I think his game is a lot more rounded than Ngannou. But I think he, he will see Ngannou's strengths as being Ngannou's weaknesses in terms of Ngannou will look to land big, leave himself open, Maiochic can counter. And if he counters, I think he can drop Ngannou and he'll finish him with ground and pound. The difference is, if Ngannou lands, there ain't no need for no ground and pound. It's a fucking walk away, Kale. Boom! Bound chicken. Wow, wow. So we're going and still and we're going and new. That's what we're doing. Light heavyweight, Daniel Cormier and still heavyweight, uh, Francis Ngannou is the new heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, everybody else on the car, we don't give a fuck. We're only interested in those two fights. Let's be straight, aren't we? <laughs> As you look down that card now, is there anything else that you're getting excited about? I think fans just need to know that the co-main event to those two is two guys that most fans haven't heard of, a guy called Calvin Qatar and Shane Berzios. There's a reason why, that's all I need to tell you, there's a reason why those two guys that no one's pretty much heard of are so high up on that card, that Shane Berzios undefeated, absolute monster. Look out for those two. But other than that, it's all just fucking window dressing. It's all just nachos and dip before the main course. Because the main course is 10 rounds, well, scheduled Mm. 10 rounds of mayhem. Here in the UK, obviously that will be on BT Sport in the early hours of Sunday morning. Now, the majority, I, I know this because people message us, which one should we look back at, which yeah. one should we watch? A lot of people uh, message us on Sunday morning because they haven't stayed up to watch the fights. Set your alarm, Yeah, I guess at around 3.30, because you want to watch DC. Yeah, I'd say 3.34 to catch DC and my old church. They're, right. they're, they're, yeah. they're what you're probably looking at. Set yeah. it for 3.30. Yeah. So you can amble downstairs. In your dressing room. All gown. bleary-eyed. Right, go to bed a little bit early. Don't yeah. watch fucking me doing voiceovers on Take Me Out the night before. <laughs> Don't do any of that. Get yourself into um, 
a nice position at around about four o'clock to watch DC. Yep. And then off the back of that, around about half past four-ish. Oh, yeah. Nice little hour. And then five, five o'clock, slide off back I to bed. I should say, you'll be back in bed by five o'clock. Don't even worry about it. Quicker than that. I reckon both of these will be done by ten past four. Yeah. Just get yourself down, have a little bit of a nausea and get yourself back up to bed. Between just four and five, spend the hours of mm. four and five in front of your TV. And go Do not watch this retrospectively. No. Please don't watch this retrospectively. You, you won't be able to because by the time you wake up, your phone will be fucking full, full of, of memes. It'll full be, of yeah. memes. Absolutely. Mainly done by us. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> someone... If uh, at least one person is getting absolutely starched here, can you absolutely imagine now if we get two five-round fucking board rolls? Never going to happen. No, it's not. It's not. Happening. Gonna it's going to be an absolute cracking start to the year. USC two twenty up and Adam at the start of the year. Dead excited about it. Um, make sure you subscribe to our podcast to get all the fallouts of USC 220 on next week's show. You can do that via our website, fightdisciples.com. You can get us on iTunes as well. We're all over social media, so if you uh, want to be blasted by memes all weekend of uh, Francis Ngannou's killer knockout of Stipe Majocic, <laughs> or maybe the other way around, uh, you're more than welcome to come and join us at Fight Disciples on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.